Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing great, Jordan. How are you, man? How's the family doing? We're really well. Yeah, yeah. we have, uh, thank God, all recovered from our various illnesses. Praise so. the Lord for that. Yeah, yeah. Amen. How is your family? Man, doing well. Uh, we are in the thick of sports, so we are in football and volleyball mode right now, and my wife and I volunteer to some degree with both of those teams, and so we are spending a lot of time in and around South Warren High School and mm-hmm. Middle School, and mm-hmm. then the the various schools around our community. You know, one of the things we talk about a lot here is the importance of serving our community, and We believe that every place we go and everything we do, God has providentially aligned for that to happen. And so there are going to be people there that we can be a blessing to and that will be a blessing to us. And so we try to live very intentionally, even as we we serve our kids and their teams. And so I would just encourage all of our listeners begin to look at your life as a mission field. You just never know uh, where God is going to show up and where God is going to open doors for you to be helpful to people in the name of Jesus. And so um, it just so happens since we broadcast, there are a lot of folks who know I'm a pastor, even if they've just been at a restaurant on Sunday and and saw that guy speaking up there on the muted TV. Mm -hmm. And so that tends to open the doors for conversations and prayer requests and all those sorts of things. So um, yeah, that's what we're doing right now. (laughs) We We are a lot of football and a lot of volleyball right now. Nice. So we are, you know, still adjusting to getting two kids to bed at reasonable times. Uh, so I'm listening to a lot of audio books as I'm, you know, holding one child as the other uh-huh. child is going down. Yeah. 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 Um, I did finally finish The Inklings by Humphrey Carpenter. So yeah. it's, it's about uh, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and some of the other writers that they interact with. Um, and I wanted to bring that up here to kind of frame what we talk about with Mary Magdalene. Yeah. Uh, because they it, they talked about... C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters. Right. Yeah. So C.S. Lewis wrote this book about uh, uh, basically a demon who's got a nephew demon and he's, you know, showing him the ropes and, you know, he (laughs) writes him these letters telling him how to be a really good demon. So basically you take the book and you don't do whatever he tells you to do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, So C.S. Lewis wrote this book, but, uh, and he dedicated it to uh, Tolkien, but Tolkien did not really care for that. Um, so I, I was listening to this book and it was talking about how Tolkien really thought that it was dangerous to kind of get in the demonic mindset, if you will, to like, yeah. you know, be thinking what would Satan think or what would demons think. And so he actually was not happy that, you know, this really famous book by C.S. Lewis is dedicated to J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, it, it it speaks to the reality of spiritual warfare. And it is very real, you know, in our uh, post-enlightenment age, we we tend to think of life in um, very naturalistic and materialistic terms. We tend to think of things uh, from a very scientific perspective, but there are things that science cannot measure, and there are spiritual realities in the world that uh, have been around since the beginning and uh, are still around today. And so... Uh, it, it it fails me to remember the name of the famous atheist philosopher 
I cannot recall, but said, who said many years ago, uh, if I were the devil, my chief uh, goal would be to convince the world that I didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's, uh, there's a lot of truth to that. And so I think that in our very naturalistic, very materialistic world, um, we sometimes get lulled into thinking that spiritual realities are, are mere um, fairy tales or, or things of days gone by. And there are definitely spiritual realities all around us, even right this moment. Absolutely. And that's a really good transition into talking about Mary Magdalene. So the scripture from this weekend was Mark 16, 9, and it simply says, Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he, Jesus, appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. So we're going to talk about Mary Magdalene first, and then we're going to talk about kind of the spiritual realities and exorcism second. Sure. So Mary Magdalene, so she, she really isn't mentioned that often in the New Testament, just just a couple times, but then she's referenced in the all the resurrection accounts. So yeah. why is she treated so special in that way? Why did Mary Magdalene get to see the resurrected Christ first? Yeah, that's a great question for which my deep theological answer is I... I don't know. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, and and listen, that's that's an important thing. Yeah. Um, we don't have to feel fill the silences uh, that are in the Bible, I believe, for a reason with our conjecture. And we certainly don't ever want to say that our opinion or our thought of what it could be is on par with Scripture. Um, but what we do know about Mary Magdalene is that she suffered. Uh, she had seven demons that plagued her, and Jesus cast those demons out of her. And whatever that looked like, however that happened, the result was that Mary Magdalene gave her life to trusting and following Jesus, ministering to Jesus and the others, his companions, uh, out of her means. Um, so we don't know how she got her means. Some scholars would say, oh, well, she was likely married and, and was widowed or had been divorced or whatever the case may be. Um, but we don't know that. So we really don't know. All we do know about Mary Magdalene, we talked about this on Sunday, is that she was there when many of the other disciples, in fact, most of the other disciples fled. She was there at the cross. She was there at the burial. And then she was there at dawn on the first day of the week as soon as she could get back. And so that tells us, I think, a whole lot about her character, her devotion to Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, she wanted to be in the place where he was, even in the place where his lifeless body was. And I think that that tells us a whole lot about her character. Um, uh, you know, I kind of have an, a yearning now having been to Jerusalem to get back to Jerusalem. And even when I was in Jerusalem, I, I, I had this yearning to be in and around the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. That was just so gripping to me. And uh, you and I even got to have a conversation by way of modern technology while I was sitting next to it and even within it. Yeah. Um, but there's just this this compelling urge within her to be near Jesus and uh I think that tells us a whole lot about where her heart was. It does. And I really want to point out a point that uh, my wife Taylor brought out. So uh, she was talking about how, just as an apologetic, this passage is interesting. The, the resurrection passages uh, are interesting because who do we have? But Mary Magdalene is the one who sees him first. And then, you know, some other women also see angels. And they're, you know, instructed to go back and tell the 12 and everybody else, hey, he's resurrected. But 
It's interesting that these women were selected for this role because in Jewish legislature, you couldn't have a woman as a witness. Um, so like if you're trying to construct this, you know, made up religion based on this guy who didn't actually resurrect, you would not pick women to be your witnesses. You would not say, yeah, the ones who were, you know, were basing everything off of and, you know, were moving around and within the land of Israel based upon are women. You you wouldn't do that. No, like, that, that just doesn't that, make sense. In that day, that would have been a very foolish thing to do. It would not have added um it would not have added a level of trustworthiness to your story. Now, we can say today, yeah, yeah, that should not be the case. That should not have been the case. Um, women are certainly very trustworthy. But, but 2,000 years ago uh, in first century Palestine, that was the way things were. And um, again, if, if, if the disciples were trying to concoct a story, that is the worst way to start it off in their context. And so absolutely. But I think it's such a beautiful thing that there in Mark chapter 16, verse 9, we learn explicitly from Scripture that Mary Magdalene was the first person that Jesus allowed to see him in his resurrected state. He could have picked anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, our sovereign God could have had anybody see him. And for whatever reason, God chose Mary Magdalene to be the one who um, was the first to encounter the risen Christ. And I can't wait to get to glory and to talk to her about that. And, and just, oh my goodness, it gives me goosebumps even thinking about what it will be like to say, Mary Magdalene, tell us, tell me the story of, of when you realized after Jesus said your name and you, you exclaimed, Rabboni, um, what was that like? Because it just had to be the most surreal and real and <laughs> amazing moment in, in all of her life, certainly, but in all of human history. Christ the Lord is risen today, and she got to see him first and be the first to share that news. How beautiful is that? It is. And I've, I'm always curious about why so many people didn't recognize him. You know, that's going to be my yeah. question. Like, you you were looking at him. Or, you know, other times other people were looking at sure. him. Sure. You know. So so there are some theories about that. Yeah. So the, the, the thing with Mary Magdalene in the garden, and particularly according to John's uh, account, um, I think she was just ugly crying. Mm -hmm. I think she was so devastated. And if you've ever been a place where you were crying, weeping, sobbing, you know, you don't see real well and you're not really focused. Um, but, but also there are people who say, well, perhaps Jesus in his resurrected state looked like he's described in Revelation with, mm -hmm. with white hair and eyes like lightning and things of that nature. And so perhaps there were some physical differences. Um, or perhaps the fact that the last time all of them had seen Jesus, he was, as Isaiah said in his prophecy, marred beyond human semblance. In other words, he was, he was truly beaten to a pulp. And uh, his skin had been ripped off of his body in large degree from the cats of nine tails that they used to whip him and scourge him. And, um, you know, what we have seen in most of the Jesus movies in terms of the crucifixion is not even close to the reality. I think the closest uh, has been what was portrayed in The Passion of the Christ. And if, you can, if you've seen that movie and can recall just how terrible Jesus looked, when you see him three days later and he looks normal or he looks as he's depicted in Revelation, 
yeah, you're not expecting that. And so, um, but it will be very interesting to, to pursue that uh, and to, to learn more about that in glory. That'll be really something. It will be. At any rate, Mary Magdalene's role at the resurrection is somewhat similar to the Mary who pours oil on Jesus' feet. And, you know, Jesus makes this comment that she'll be remembered for all time for this act that she's yeah. done. Yeah. Oh, man. That's a great connection, great correlation. Different women, but absolutely. And and you know that they're different women. I'm just clarifying that for our listeners. Um, but that is, is absolutely true because ultimately, um, I think... Now again, this is thus saith the Jeff. This is this is not on bar with biblical anything. But I th- I think that there's a real sense in which she was going to do it right. Mm. Like it it mm. it it probably felt rushed to her the anointing of his body, the wrapping with the cloths, and and she was going to do it the way it needed to be done. And again, I think that that is indicative of her heart and of her character and her love for Jesus. Yeah. So in talking about Mary Magdalene, we've talked about how she was possessed by seven demons. So on Sunday, Jeff, you talked about a difference between demonic oppression and demonic possession. Can you kind of give that difference and then tell us how we can avoid both? Yeah, you want to avoid both, I can tell you. Um, so so when you go back to the original language, the, the language is daimonizomai, to be, to be demonized, as it were. And again, there are, there are Christians who disagree. Some some Christians believe that Christians can be demon possessed. I I don't think that's the case. Um, uh, I think that Christians have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and where the Holy Spirit dwells, demons cannot dwell um, by default. So, um, but nevertheless. Um, there is a difference between demon oppression and demon possession. And so what does that look like? Well, again, back in the first century, we're looking at things like insanity, um, ferociousness, uh, self-mutilation, rage, various physical infirmities, psychoses, um, you know, the enemy is a liar and the father of lies, and so the demonic realm uh, specializes in the in, in lies. Um, the enemy is described as the accuser of the brethren, and so the demonic realm specializes in accusation. Um, but again, just to remember that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And uh, so, so the demonic realm is good at tempting and trying and leading us down the path of destruction and pulling our eyes away from Jesus and, and all those sorts of things. And so um, does demon possession still happen today? Yes. Okay, well, the next question is, Jeff, have you ever encountered a demon-possessed person? Yes, many times. And uh, it's always very interesting. Uh, It always expresses itself in um, unique ways, I think. Um, And, you know, again, the Bible tells us to stand firm in the strength of Jesus's might. And so I think about the sons of Sceva who who were trying to perform exorcisms, quote unquote, in the book of Acts. And, And the demon said, Jesus I know and Paul I've heard of, but who are you? And it did not go well for them. So uh, we, don't, we don't seek to stand against the demonic in our own power because uh, demons are more powerful than us, just as angels are more powerful than us, and demons are simply fallen angels. So, um, But yes, uh, those things are very real. And, uh, but again, 
when you think about somebody who is demon possessed, you're thinking about somebody who is the victim of the evil one. Um, are there ways that we open ourselves up to being demonized, whether that's possession or, or harassment? Uh, yes, I think um, the pervasiveness of pornography, I think, is one of the most most pervasive ways today that uh, we open ourselves up to demonic influence. I'm telling you, pornography is evil. It is wicked. Uh, it, is, it is lifting up sexual sin. And um, the more we engage with that, the more we are opening ourselves to demonic influence. Um, but, but also you look at the prevalence of drugs and alcohol and all those sorts of things. There's just so much in our culture that we give ourselves over to that just open the door for the demonic to come in and wreak havoc in our lives. And yes, it's very real. And, and yes, a lot of the deception that our culture is currently involved in is absolutely due to demonic influence. And so what I would say as a way to avoid that. Now, on the other side of the coin, let me say this. If you're going to be involved in ministry, you are going to deal with demonic uh, harassment. It's going to happen. If you're going to live out your faith in a way that carries out the Great Commission in a way that seeks to magnify Christ, Satan hates that and wants to shut you up and wants to to pull you out of that ministry. And so you can expect some demonic uh, opposition to your ministry. So again, I mentioned Sunday uh, missionaries who go on the mission field will, will encounter things. People who get into ministry, you know, when, when God was calling me into ministry vocationally, Oh, my goodness, the accusations that were coming to my mind of all the terrible things that were part of my past, you know, and, and oh, you can't go into ministry. Look at, look at all the things you've done. And, and we all have things that we've done or thought or said, you know, that would disqualify anybody from the kingdom of God itself, much less ministry in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have to stand firm in the truth that we are all sinners, um, and we come to Christ by His grace, and uh, we are forgiven of our sin. And so we stand in that forgiveness because He uh, bore our sins in His body on the tree. And so, um, but yeah, it's just, if you're going to be involved in ministry, if you're going to carry out the calling that is on your life. And if you're a Christian, you have a calling on your life to carry the gospel to the nations. And and maybe that's around the world, and maybe that's down the street, your workplace or whatever. Um, Just know you're going to deal with demonic opposition. I don't think you can have demonic possession, again, for that reason that we mentioned. How do you avoid those things? Well, you can't avoid it if you're in ministry. Hmm. You just keep your eyes on Jesus. That's what you do. And um, you, you... you power through it. You know, they used to, uh, years ago, part of the baptismal uh, formula uh, was to ask those who were being baptized, do you renounce Satan and all his works? And and we don't do that these days. Um, but yes, absolutely, to renounce Satan and all his works. And again, to stand firm in the strength of God's power. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 instructs us to put on the entire armor of God. The, the, 
the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit, the belt of the truth, um, the foot coverings of the gospel of peace, and, and the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, all those things are vital. And, and so to stand, recognizing that the enemy is going to throw fiery darts at you. And how do we extinguish those fiery darts? Well, by taking up the shield of faith in Jesus Christ. Um, the other thing is this, avoiding those avenues by which we open ourselves to demonic influence. And so this is a conversation that I have with my kids, mostly my son right now because he's in high school and a little bit older. But I talk with him about, look, man, you're going you're gonna to start to see people who just start acting crazy because they're opening themselves up by the things that they're choosing to engage in. Pornography, sexual activity, drugs, alcohol, all those things open us up to uh, engaging with the demonic and having demonic influence and harassment in our lives. And so I would say flee from those things. Be like Joseph when Potiphar's wife came and tempted him. Don't try to fight it. Just get away from it. You know, you don't have to be a part of pornography in any way. It doesn't have to have any part in your life. You don't have to have alcohol or drugs to live. I mean, you know, just... You, you don't have to, to see how far you can go into things um, to see if you can handle <laughs> what comes with it. So, so I would just say, you know, stand in the truth, stand firm in the truth, do the right things. If God calls something a sin, just stay, stay away from it. We all stumble. We all, you know, we all make mistakes every day. We all deal with sin in our lives, and we confess that to God. Um, but don't just rush headlong into sinful things, and that will that will keep the door closed to demonic influence in your life. Um, in that way, I just talked a lot. Does that? I mean, does that all make sense? Is that is that coming across good, listeners? I'm asking Jordan because I don't want you to be confused. And certainly, if you have any questions, just send them in, and we'll address them here for yeah. sure. Yeah. The last thing I'll say is this, that, that exorcisms, quote-unquote, um, in the Roman Catholic Church look a lot different than, you know, what... what um, so that's, that's a conversation perhaps for another podcast. Um, I, don't, I don't personally have a liturgy of exorcism or anything like that, and I don't really want to get deep into the weeds of, you know, what does that kind of stuff look like. But, but suffice it to say... Um, I have certainly dealt with demon-possessed people and demon-oppressed people, um, and every time you stand firm in the strength of God's might. Uh, they're bigger than Jeff, I can tell you that. Uh, but I can tell you that they are not bigger than Jesus. And so, um, again, uh, always deferring to Jesus, always always looking to Jesus. And if you're in a place where you feel like you've got some demonic activity going on, um, I would encourage you just to pray to Jesus. And, and I typically do it out loud. Uh, Lord, I renounce Satan and his demons and uh, in this household, we, we worship Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, who is God the Son, uh, who died on the cross to cover over all our sins and who rose from the grave, who, who stands victoriously. Again, so I'm not even fooling with the demonic. I'm, I'm talking to the Lord and asking Him to, to renounce or to rebuke anything that might be uh, nearby. So just to, just to give that clarity, um, I, don't, I don't go to war with demons because... 
they're bigger than me. But greater is he who is in me than, than he who is in the world. And so I will go to the one who is in me. And his name is Jesus, just like he's in you, Jordan, and just like he's in Jordan Evans sitting over here, uh, who's our uh, uh, helping us out and recording today. Thank you, Jordan. Um, Jesus Christ is in me, and I will stand firm in Jesus Christ because he is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. Well, so that'll take us into today's practical application question. Listeners, if you have a question, just go to the link in the show notes or comment on the post below. So, Jeff, exorcism is frequent in the New Testament, but we really don't see it around here today. So should it be more common? And if not, why not? Yeah, that's a really good question. And so when you go back to the first century, you're going to see a lot more recognition of spiritual realities than we experience in the 21st century. Again, because of the Enlightenment, because of the scientific revolution and and our emphasis on naturalism and materialism, I think that um, we have really fallen prey to the devil's strategy of convincing us that he does not exist, and then he can do whatever he wants. Um, So I do think it's important for us to understand that there are spiritual realities at play. And in in Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible tells us explicitly that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. So some of you are thinking right now of your arch enemy, uh, whoever that may be in your life, that person that just wears you out. And the Bible says that that person is not your enemy. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. There are there are spiritual realities at work, um, again, seeking to steal and kill and destroy, seeking to deceive, seeking to distract, and seeking to bring destruction in your life and in the lives of the people that you love. And so... What I would say is, uh, I am a fan of what is in co- what is called discipleship encounters with the demonic, as opposed to power encounters with the demonic. And what does that mean? Well, uh, Chuck Lawless, who is a professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary and was one of my professors at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, um, does a really good job of looking at discipleship as spiritual warfare. That the more I'm in the Word, the more I'm hiding the Word of God. In my heart, the more that I'm in prayer, the more that I am and cultivating healthy relationships with other Christians, the greater opportunity that I have to stand firm in the strength of God's might over and against the enemy. And so I don't I don't go to war. You know I don't do power encounters with the enemies that you know, with the enemy. I don't you know I'm I'm just I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to I'm going to use the word of God uh, just as Jesus did. Jesus responded to Satan's temptation with the Word of God. The way that I respond to demonic temptation in my own life is with the Word of God. The way that I respond to demonic temptation in others' lives is with the Word of God. Again, that's why hiding the Word of God in your heart is so valuable, um, so that when the temptation comes, or and those temptations could look like a lot of different things. Remember, just as much as, as sexual sin is sin, so also is pride and envy and lust and, and, and avarice and all those sorts of things. And so temptations come in so many different forms. Um, and 
how do we respond? Well, we respond with the Word of God. We respond by surrendering to the Lordship of Almighty God, um, recognizing the presence of the Spirit of God within us in Christ. And so, again, as Protestants, we don't have a rite of exorcism, although the Anglicans may. Um, We don't have a rite of exorcism. um, But I would say this, um, dealing with demonic realities is still very prevalent today. Uh, and the best way we can we can stand in the strength of God's might, according to Ephesians chapter six, is by putting on that armor. So to be girded by the belt of truth. Well, what is truth? Well, it is God's word, and God has given us His truth. And so I'm going to gird myself with the word of God by hiding it in my heart. Uh, I'm going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, what righteousness do I have? Well, I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to me. So I will stand with my vital organs protected. That's the imagery of the breastplate. My vital organs organs are protected by the righteousness of Christ. I don't have any righteousness of my own. My righteous deeds are as filthy rags before a holy God. But Christ has given his righteousness to me. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we stand firm in Jesus Christ's righteousness. And when those accusations come of the sins that are in my life or that were in my life, um, then I stand recognizing that I have been made righteous by Jesus. I have been justified by Christ. Um, the helmet of salvation. Listen, if you're not saved, you're in trouble. So, so be saved. <laughs> stand firm in your salvation. Um, the, 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 the gospel covering of the feet, that, that how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So how do we advance? Well, we advance only by the gospel, and we share the gospel, and we return to the gospel, and we are constantly moving forward in faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we take up the shield of faith with which we extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. So again, my faith is in a crucified and resurrected Savior who is King of kings and Lord of lords and will one day return. And so I can extinguish the flaming darts of hopelessness and the flaming darts of uh, accusation from the enemy by standing firm in the faith once for all delivered to the saints in Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected and the sword of the Spirit, my goodness, the Word of God. I'm telling you... There's a reason why every single Sunday I will say ad nauseum, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. Right now on the podcast, I'm going to say it again, read the Bible. (laughs) The more you are in the Word, the more you will get the Word in you, and the more you can stand firm against the enemy by being strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. And so that's what I would say, listen... Yeah, the, the, there are times when when those power encounters kind of happen, but the best thing we can do to stand against the enemy is to be rooted in Jesus Christ. And uh, as I carry out those disciplines of what it means, those faith practices to read the Word and to pray and to be involved in community, to worship, um, to, to serve and give of all that God has given me, the better I'm going to be able to stand firm in the strength of Jesus' might. Yeah. I think that that discipleship encounter mindset is really beneficial because 
as you start to read the Gospels and maybe start to notice some more of these passages, there is more of an overlap than our materialist Western mindsets normally allow, more of an overlap between the demonic and physical problems. Yeah. I mean, you know, Jesus casts out a fever, but then, you know, it seems like it's like in the language of casting out, you know? Yeah. Um, and you read some of those passages, and if you're kind of not really well read into it, then you're like, oh, gosh, there's demons everywhere. This yeah. is a real problem. We, yeah. we need to we need to get into this, or we, we need to... We need to look into this. We need to get this solved. But if you stay rooted in your discipleship to Jesus, then you're going to have a path forward in any given situation. You can pray and you can read the Bible and you can have faith that God will be with you in wherever you're going. And I think that's encouraging because then if there do come power encounters like what you're referencing, then you'll be in a much better place. Than- I mean, seriously, that that is, and, and, and honestly, there are people who get so derailed on this, they go chasing after demons and it's just like, don't chase pursue Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's the biblical admonition. Don't get don't get sidetracked into chasing demons or chasing angels or chasing, you know, whatever. Focus on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus and run with perseverance the race marked out for you. And uh and and the rest of it Again, if you get to the bottom line of fixing your eyes on Jesus, how do we do that? Read the Bible, pray, be in community, Christian community, worship God, serve God. You know, if you will do that, then again, that will get you on the trajectory that will keep your focus where it needs to be. And when opposition comes, you just keep doing what you're doing and let God be God. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to be taken care of. Amen. Can you pray us out for today? Yeah. Father, we love you. And we thank you for all of us who are in Jesus Christ, that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us, and we are so thankful for that. And so, Lord, we do not stand in fear of the enemy, for he has been defeated by your cross and resurrection, and he is in a stay of execution. But we also know that he is still seeking to steal and kill and destroy. And so, Lord, we pray that you would keep us out of the temptations that lead us uh, toward the evil one's influence in our lives, and that you would keep us faithful in the ministry, recognizing that when that demonic opposition comes, first of all, it came to you, and it came to all those who have trusted and followed you. And by standing firm in the Word of God, standing firm in the Holy Spirit, standing firm in the strength of your might— Um, people have conquered by the word of their testimony, and they have conquered according to the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And so, Lord, let us not be afraid, but let us be aware. Let us not be afraid. Let us be aware. And let us stand firm in Christ in everything we do. Pray these things, trusting you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley, and our editors are Chadwick Walden and Fu Ying Engdahl.